So my name's Kirsten and I work here on staff. I'm gonna get the chance just to work with all of you guys day in and day out. Uh, if I don't know you, I actually would like to get to know you. Um, and for those of you that I do know, um, and if you know me well, you probably have been into my car. Um, and so you probably know a little something about me, which is that my car's always a mess. Um, literally every time I take somebody to go somewhere, I have to be like, hold on a second, and like toss something to the back of the car. Um, sometimes it's my yoga mat, my gym clothes, Jonathan's sunglasses, a coffee cup from a couple days ago, something that I keep being like, I gotta bring this inside. Uh, but no matter what, I am going to have to move something out to create space for somebody to sit there. And this is like kind of a big problem whenever my mom comes to town. Uh, she really likes her cars to be like, look like they've just been purchased. And so the last time she came to town, um, she like gets in my car and I had like vacuumed it out and like cleaned it up. And she was sitting in my car and was like, so for your birthday, can I get your car detailed and cleaned? I politely refused um, because as I thought about it, I was like, I kind of like that my car is a little bit messy. Like I like that I can loan my car out to people and I don't have to freak out about it. And I like that um, I can be like driving with a friend and we'll, like see something fun on the side of the road and be like, let's get it. And like try to stuff it in my car and like don't care how like dirty and rusty it is. Um, I like that my dog can like hop up in the car and I'm not like worried that I'll never be able to vacuum up all of his hair. I like that I can like lug the orientation table in and out of my car and freshmen I'll remember you forever by the scratches that are in there from that sucker. And I like that I can like load the car up with people and we can go to Sonic and if somebody spills it, I'm like, that's okay, we're totally fine. I like that my car creates space for mess because I think it actually creates space for life. And in our scripture today, I see Jesus doing that exact same thing. That he creates space for the mess of this woman. And he does so with us as well. Jesus creates space. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are a God who creates space for us. That you are here in our midst. Holy Spirit, remind us, all of us in this building, that you are with us and for us right now. Pray this in your name, amen. So Jesus creates space for our mess, which means that we need to be people that bring our mess to him. So the story that Marissa read tonight is like takes place at this dinner party where Jesus is the guest of honor and Simon the Pharisee is the host. 
And like a lot of parties in this day, it was open to certain people so that they could come in and like watch this party. Kind of like a debate or a play, so to speak. And this dinner party did not disappoint on the entertainment. Because uh, this woman walks in and she wasn't just any woman, she was a known prostitute in the town who would have known she very much was not invited to this party. She knew the risk that was at hand with her coming in. A risk of being publicly disgraced and shamed, and even a risk of being killed because the law at that time was if a woman was found having sex outside of marriage, she could be killed. Yet, she takes this risk and comes to this party. She doesn't just go stand in the corner. She finds Jesus reclined at the table, his legs propped out to the left, and she stands over him. And then her emotions take over, and she begins to weep. She begins to cry so hard that when she looks down, Jesus' dirty feet are now covered with her tears. And dirt and water make a muddy mess at his feet. So she sees this mess and she takes her hair down, starts washing his feet with her hair, which would have just even added to the scandal of this scene because during that time, a woman's hair was her glory. So a woman would have not have dared to ever take her hair down in public. Yet this woman, hair down, washing his feet. And then he starts to, she starts to kiss his feet. And then she breaks an entire jar of perfume and anoints his feet with it. This dinner party has become a huge mess. Mud, hair, emotions, broken jar, perfume. And Jesus, instead of getting up, making her leave, he creates space for this mess. He looks at her, acknowledges her, and allows her to continue to touch him, which would have been so scandalous at this time because rabbis were always supposed to be within six feet of a woman. This weekend, one of my friends tagged me in a like, Instagram post. Um, I danced, and so it was a ballet video. Um, and there was a hashtag, and it was like, hashtag hiplay. I was like, I don't know what that is. And so I asked her, I was like, Sam, what is this thing you're talking about? And so she sent me this video that I'm going to show you guys. Um, as I watched it, it just reminded me a lot of this lady in our story, and so I wanted y'all to watch it with me and um, enjoy a new form of dance for your education. This is the wrong video. <laughs> All right, well, let me. <laughs> um, I'll just tell you about it. So that was nice. Um, 
All right, so hip play is a form of dance that is, it's done on point, but it is kind of like hip hop and ballet combined. Um, they, these girls like can do the moonwalk on point. Um, they have all these like other moves that they do. And uh, the, the video goes through and talks to the girls that have done um, hip play and they've gone to this school in Chicago and they talk about how for the first time, they have experienced a confidence and a freedom because they're now allowed to still dance, to still dance on point, but be able to do so completely as themselves. That though they may have been overlooked for the color of their skin and the kind of dancer that they were, they now are able to be totally them, but still get to dance. And I loved that in our context because I think that's so much about how this woman must have felt. That when she was finally able to be her, mess and all, that she experienced this like freedom and this confidence having her mess be before Jesus. And the girls that I will, I'll post it on Facebook so you can see it, it's cool. Um, these girls that do hip lay, that they can be themselves, like while ballet tells you like you have to like hold yourself a certain way and look a certain way, that they actually can experience this freedom of still getting to dance, but do so as themselves. And I believe that in this scripture, this is what Jesus is inviting us into. That we may come to him, mess and all, and experience a confidence and a freedom that we have not known before. Right now, even in our culture, it is actually kind of cool to like be yourself and to be real. But I think oftentimes we don't actually live into that. We still feel like we have to fake who we are. We have to live into the pressure to be something we're not. So we pretend pretend to have it all together, pretend like we don't have any issues. We filter parts of our life so it looks like we do not struggle. It looks like we are like something we're not. And I can imagine for people who are new here that that is even harder right now. <laughs> that trying to fit in and find your, your people makes you want to pretend to be something else, to not let them know what's really going on, or to filter the fact that you are lonely, that it's been three weeks and you have not found your best friends yet, which is totally normal. But you stuff that down, you pretend that that's not there. But what if if we want to actually find freedom and confidence, we have to actually bring ourselves, our mess and all before Jesus to discover this. And if some of you have not felt free lately, maybe it's because you haven't recognized all of the junk inside of you that you have been hiding and pushing down. That you have not come the feet of our Lord as yourself. 
Because not only does Jesus create space for our mess, but he's not scared of it, and he invites it. And it's hard. It's really hard to pretend to be something, to not feel, to like hide our mess and hide all the junk. I know for me, even when I'm crying and upset, I go to like so much length to be able to like put on the right makeup to make sure people don't know that I've been crying or find the sunglasses to wear inside so nobody knows I've been crying. It's just all of this work and what if we felt free to bring our mess and ourselves to Jesus? Could we actually experience some sort of healing that we are hiding from? Could we experience that freedom? Every single week here at the house, we have prayer that happens in the back. And it is like actually kind of rare that people go back there. And I think it's because of a couple things. I think people are scared to let somebody else know the mess of their life. Or they're scared that their mess isn't big enough. Or you get worried to like walk down these pews and have people look at you being like, oh, they're going to get prayer, wonder what they need. And I think we put a lot of these thoughts onto other people that people aren't actually thinking this stuff. But we are afraid sometimes to go and be prayed for. And all of this is absolutely risky. People could think something I mean, this woman just loses it in front of Jesus and all of these people, and that is terrifying. This woman in the story knew that there was a risk. She risked her own life. But when is the potential for healing worth that risk? Jesus creates space for our mess, He invites us into it. And he creates space for our mess because he knows that in that context, we may recognize that we are actually seen and valued. As our story in Luke continues, um, Simon the Pharisee is disgusted with this woman begins to think Jesus must be a false prophet because he doesn't really know who this woman is. Jesus, knowing Simon's thoughts, says, Simon, let me tell you a story. He tells him a story about two people who owed a debt. And when he's done with the story, he asks Simon, which of these two men were more grateful for the forgiveness? And Simon says, I suppose the one who owed the most. Jesus says, you're right. Then he turns and he looks at this woman and he says, Simon, do you see this woman? He invites Simon to do something that he has not done before so this woman may receive something she has not received before to be seen and valued as a person. 
I can imagine this woman walking through the market and longing to make eye contact with somebody, people's eyes just darting away, not wanting to look at her. Or maybe people looked at her, but they looked at her in disgust and shame and devalued her as they judged her. Or men looked at her, but as an object, as a transaction. And so as Jesus looks at her, he's giving her this incredible truth and inviting Simon to participate that she is seen, that she is valued as a human being right there in the midst of her mess. And the Lord wants us to know that we too are seen and offered value even in the midst of our mess. I know that all of us, even the shyest person in the room, we all actually do want to be seen and valued by someone. Whenever I walk into the hub or space downstairs, I like want people to like notice me. And so when somebody does, like it makes me feel really good. And like all throughout my life, there's always somebody that I'm like really wanting to actually see me. Maybe it's somebody in authority over me or it's a stranger that I think is really great or my husband or my family. But most recently, the person that I've like wanted to like see me and value me the most is this two-year-old boy. Um, Some of you that were downstairs earlier, he was running around down there. And ever since he was born, I wanted him to be my friend. But every time I would like try to hang out with him, he would like scream and run to his mom. But something this summer like just switched. And I'd come into a room and he'd say my name. And he would be like so excited when he heard I was coming over to play. He would share his superheroes with me. And about a month ago, the two of us built a pallet, and I was trying to get him to nap, which I failed at. Um, So we're like laying there, like cuddling, and all of a sudden he like looks at me and he points at my stomach and he goes, you have a baby in there. And I was floored. We had told him this months before, and all he cared about was like trying to see it, which obviously couldn't let him do that yet. But the fact that he remembered meant the world to me. And then he goes, it's a boy. I was like, that's right, bud. The fact that he saw me and he remembered something that was a huge deal to me and he seemed so excited about it made me feel so incredibly valued. And this is what this woman probably a thousandfold felt as Jesus looked at her and valued her in the midst of that mess. And I do wonder if it is the fact that she is in the midst of all this junk and he says, I see you, I value you here, that actually is what propelled her to change that it's not about making all these promises and commitments and like trying to shift and change things around and then experiencing Jesus' love 
and value. But I think it's the opposite. That when we are in our mess, in our junk, and there recognize that he sees us and he values us, that this is what allows us to change. This is what allows our thoughts to be new, our actions to be different, our confidence to be stronger. This is what propels change in our life, knowing that he sees us and values us in the midst of all of our mess. And some of you out here may feel like, I don't feel like not seen because of my mess, but I feel not seen because everyone else's mess is a lot louder. He sees you too. And he offers you value where you're at as well. He doesn't see you in a category, smart, stupid, pretty, plain, successful, failure, righteous, unrighteous. He sees you as someone who is worth dying for, who is unsurpassable worth. He sees you right there where you're at. And when we learn that he sees us, we recognize that our God is not just a God that's standing up there watching us, which if that's all we think he is, and we're going to feel really guilty all the time. But we see that he's a God that sees us in the midst of our junk, and still loves us. Then we recognize that he's a God that loves us so much that he does not want us to stay there. Jesus sees us in the midst of our mess, and there offers us value. When we recognize that he sees us there, that is when we begin to understand this love that he's offering. And when we receive this love he's offering, this forgiveness, as he talks about in this scripture that he is offering, we then are people who are prompted to love. In the rest of the passage in Luke, Jesus no longer needs to tell a story, a parable, to explain his point. Because right there in front of him is the perfect scenario of what he's trying to get after. Simon, as a Pharisee, would have had all the Ten Commandments memorized and followed. He would have memorized the other 613 man-made laws and been following them as well. But despite all of his piety, all of his attempted righteousness, we see in comparison to this woman that the amount of love he was giving was very little. So Jesus compares the two. Simon, you did not wash my feet when I walked into this room. Washing someone's feet would have been just a customary thing for you to do for a guest, let alone a guest of honor. Yet the woman washes Jesus' feet with her glory. Simon, you did not kiss me when I came into this room. Up until the 19th century, people would greet each other with a kiss. It was a sign of being a friend. It was a sign of welcoming people in. So Simon not greeting Jesus with a kiss would be like refusing him a handshake or a side hug. 
But the woman did not stop kissing Jesus' feet, a huge sign of humility. Simon, you did not anoint my head with oil. Another customary thing for somebody to do because it was hot where they lived, and so anointing with a little bit of olive oil would cool them down. Yet this woman breaks an entire jar of an expensive perfume and anoints Jesus' feet. It is so clear which of these two loved more. So Jesus says, this woman, though she has sinned much, he acknowledges her sin. She knows she has been forgiven much, and so she loves much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. It's obvious that this woman had had a previous encounter with Jesus. She knew when she came to this party that she was forgiven, and this whole scene, this whole mess, was coming out of an act of love, of gratitude for this forgiveness that she had received. Yet Simon, who did not think he needed to be forgiven, we do not see any of that love being poured out. The difference between the two of them was clear. And for us, we've all actually been forgiven. Jesus died on the cross to save us and forgive us our sins so that we did not have to be condemned to death because of our sins. So it's not a matter of if we have been forgiven, it's a matter of if we've received it, if we remember, if we think we need it. There is a book that was written in 1975 by a guy named Raymond uh, Moody. And the book's called Life After Life. And in this book, he coined the phrase, a near-death experience. And in his research, he found that people that had near-death experiences all had very similar transformations that happened. Unconditional love began to permeate their lives. There was a timelessness that they experienced. Everything just slowed down. There was um, a lack of boundaries in terms of they wanted to be close to people, both physically and emotionally. They saw themselves as a soul versus a person with a soul. Their personality types switched, as in people that were type A became more chill and people that were lazy became more motivated. And I was, I was, as I was reading all of these things, I was like, this sounds like the kingdom of God. This sounds like being Christ-like. And this sounds like this woman. It seems pretty clear that she recognized her own near-death experience and receive this forgiveness, this new life, which then prompted her to love deeply. And I wonder for you, if you're thinking about those traits of this near-death experience, if you have not experienced those things, maybe 
You do not know that you too have had a near-death experience. And until you recognize that, experiencing new life will be difficult. This woman received this forgiveness. And as the passage says, love is a product of receiving forgiveness. So we see her love so much. And we see this huge transformation happen inside of her. Not only did she like go and risk her life, but as a prostitute, having this alabaster jar of perfume actually was her lifeline. It was her job security. In a time where like deodorant and showers weren't really like common, the smell of perfume would let people know what she was offering. And so when she takes this jar and breaks it at Jesus' feet, she's breaking this job security, saying, I am done. And this tool of her trade, this tool of sin, has now been used as a tool of worship to anoint Jesus' feet. If you find yourself in a place where you find it hard to love abundantly, where these jars in your life are hard to break, you may ask yourself if you have received this forgiveness you've been offered. Maybe you've received it, but maybe you forget. Or maybe you're in a place where you think you just have to like prove it and like earn all of this stuff back. When Jesus says those who know they've been forgiven much love much, and those who think they've been forgiven little love little, he's telling the truth. If we want to be people who love much, we must recognize that we too have been forgiven much and we must receive that. And when we do, we too will be people that are transformed. Transformed more into the likeness of Christ. Which means we will be people that create space for other people's messes. And we will be people that actually look at someone else and offer them value. And we will be people that offer forgiveness. And we will be people that will experience this product of forgiveness, abundant love for others. And even though we receive forgiveness, and we experience this love that does not mean that our mess is just cleaned up. In fact, in this story, things just kind of get messier. More mud on the ground, hair, tons of emotions all over the place, shrouds of jar on the ground, the smell of an entire bottle of perfume filling this room. I mean, you guys know what it's like to get into an elevator with somebody that's wearing a little bit too much cologne. Imagine an entire bottle of perfume. 
And probably the memories that are being associated with this smell going on in the room is creating even more of a mess. And we know that the guests are in a whole upheaval. Jesus says he forgives sins. Like, who is this man? There's even more of a mess happening. But maybe this is the point. That Jesus creates space for this mess because he knows in this mess that is the context that we may receive his forgiveness that we may know that we are seen and valued and that we may be people who love abundantly Jesus creates space for our mess so that we may have space for new life. Before we pray together, once again, we have prayer in the back every single week. The girl that read scripture up here, Marissa, she's one of the people on the prayer team. She's so kind. If you go back there to be prayed for, nothing crazy is going to happen, nothing unusual. They will simply talk to God with you. They will keep your prayers between you and them and our Lord. If you are wondering if you should go back there to be prayed for, ask yourself, is the healing worth the risk? So let all of us who have a God, who creates space for our mess, who sees us and values us and offers us forgiveness, be people that receive this love and this forgiveness and be prompted to love others and experience this space that gives us new life. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that as scary as it is to step into this space that you are not scared of us, that you remain in this space, mess and all. You do not leave us, but in fact, you offer us newness in the midst of it. Thank you that you too have stepped into mess, and you too have created new life out of that. Give us courage to draw close to you. Let each person in this room know that you see them right there where they're at. And you think the world of them. You call them yours. In your name, amen.